0: Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like, There have literally been times where we've had to pause a recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things. Because listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm never going to be a daily bra wear. It's just not in the cars for me, never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events that I've kind of had a lot of weddings, and just there's sometimes you gotta wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the fits everybody t-shirt bra and the no-show balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you, it is a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm, I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show, Mutual. Hi, Em. I cannot believe we're at the finale already.
1: You know how I feel about this finale episode? I feel like I can't believe I broke my leg and all I got was this lousy finale.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you guys heard the broken leg saga in this week's regular episode, but I get that. I really do understand that. It's not that it was bad or anything, it just wasn't the most riveting. And maybe that is just a result of feeling like nothing could ever compare to the season one finale. And I recognize that's something we may just have to live with.
1: I think it is too. But I also think that part of it is that we've had some amazing episodes this season. And so I think we've probably had two or three episodes throughout the course of this season that felt like they could have been finale episodes. And so to end on a finale that didn't necessarily feel that way, I think was maybe a little bit of a disappointment, but... All of that to say, how lucky are we that we had such an incredible season? Well, that's what I was going to say.
0: I thoroughly enjoyed this season. And honestly, here's the thing, whether it's an excellent finale or a relatively you know, lackluster one, this the same feeling hits after, which is like, oh shit, now we're done until who knows when. Not that it'll be that long necessarily, but as I always say to you, I love recapping the old episodes as much as the next guy, but there is nothing like the rush of the current ones.
1: No, nothing. When I say I have a fear of the unknown, it's just a fear of not knowing when Kardashians is going to come back and how much time is going to pass. It's like that and the ocean. Yes. So big, so (laughs) much to it. I know. I also have to say, like, I love recapping the old episodes. Nothing compares to being in season, of course, because when we recap the old episodes, it's just me and you like we don't have the camaraderie of seeing what everybody else is saying about what we're watching. But something that's so special about being able to do the old episodes is being able to relate it back to what we're currently watching. Like there are so many things that come up in these old episodes where as we're watching now in current season, we can say like, oh, remember when they were in New York and that happened? Like and it's so relevant still.
0: Well, even in this episode, we start out with Scott's 40th birthday dinner. And so much of what they were doing here was reminiscing on the last 20 years that they've known Scott and just how he's really been there through all the ups and downs. And in Chloe's speech, she's saying, you know, I was determined to not like you in the beginning. And she's talking about her living in that townhouse and him moving in and and her being like, who the fuck is this guy? Get out. And so hearing her say that, having relatively recently watched those episodes where they were down each other's throats, yes, it does make a scene like this even more enjoyable because those memories are so vivid.
1: I mean, Chloe literally had to go to anger management over him.
0: It was unbearable. It's actually unbelievable the way that their relationship is probably the strongest of his with anyone in the family because- to say it was the worst is an understatement. I mean, they couldn't be in the same room.
1: No, it's incredible the way that it's grown. And we're also at a point in our rewatch where we are watching those relationships change tides and form. I mean, the relationship between Scott and Kim, which we then go into Kim's speech after that, but when they were in New York, they were so close. They bonded so much. They really had each other's back. And so For now, to see Kim talking about Scott in that way and saying how Scott's one of her biggest motivators, it's like we watched the inception of when that happened. We watched it go from Scott is Courtney's annoying boyfriend who we think that she should break up with to Scott is Courtney's terrible boyfriend who we want her to break up with to Scott's a pretty good dad who has his ups and downs to Scott is our brother. And like, even though him and Courtney aren't together, he will always be a part of our family. And here is his 40th birthday Without Courtney, they are no longer together. And it's all of us sitting here celebrating him. Like, I mean, that is an incredible evolution.
0: I mean, Kim debatably has nicer things to say about Scott than she does about Courtney.
1: I mean, and let's not pretend
0: that's not part of the problem. Well, right. I mean, that's obviously an underlying element to the whole thing. But when you're talking about them living in New York together and then Kim and her confessional saying, you know, Scott's my biggest motivator. He'll always say to me, can you believe you did it? I also think back to the fact that Scott had a front row seat to not only the whole world doubting her, but her husband doubting her. I mean, Scott was the only family member with the exception of Courtney that really got to experience up close and personal what it was like when Kim was married to Chris who could not have had any less faith in her possibly, you know, just really doubted her and her career potential and all of that. And so I think there's something additionally powerful about Scott being there
1: and really there during that time. I so get what Kim means about Scott being her motivator because, you know, we often talk about the way that Chloe views Kim and Chloe views Chris and Kim views Chris and Chris views Kim and all of those different dynamics that aren't just sister, aren't just mother, daughter, but are really like admiring, admiring their work ethic, admiring what they've built, admiring the businesswoman that they are. And Scott falls into that category in the same way that Chloe falls into it, in the same way that Chris falls into it. He is like And specifically with Kim, like he, he admires her in such a specific way. And I can so understand how that is so motivating for Kim.
0: Oh, totally. I think she feels entirely supported by Scott. And I think that he feels entirely supported by her. Totally. Okay. So next scene, we have Kim in New York. We see a lot of her throughout this episode in New York for American Horror Story, which I have to tell you, Not that it was dramatic necessarily, but I could have watched that all day. In general, I'm always interested in the behind the scenes of filming of these types of shows, but specifically when it's Kim and she's really outside of her comfort zone. You know, when you watch her on the show, yes, it's a reality show, but you also have the awareness that they're executive producers. They're calling the shots. They're making the final edits. She doesn't have that with American Horror Story. You know, she is really completely at the mercy of the director.
1: And I just don't think
0: it's a position that at least recently she's
1: been in. No, I know. And I thought it was really fun to watch Kim do something that she really has never done before. Like, yeah, she's had these small little acting gigs and these small little appearances here and there, but we have never watched her get ready to be a character on a show. Like this was entirely out of her comfort zone. It was something that we had never seen. And I feel like with Kim a lot of times we see her talk about things that are very big experiences for her. And we see her talk about things where she's like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm cover of Vogue. I can't believe I'm doing, you know, this Dolce and Gabbana, but they all fall under a general umbrella of things that she has done before, but maybe on a much, much larger magnitude. This is something that we have literally just never seen Kim do before. Even SNL was not a reoccurring role where she's playing a character. SNL was amazing, but she was playing herself more than anything else. This was, I mean, this was uncharted territory. Yeah, and she fucking killed it, which was so satisfying to
0: watch. And we can get more into it as more of those scenes come up. But I just really enjoyed the whole thing. And which I may have just missed, but out of curiosity, I saw a lot of Chris Appleton in these scenes. Do we know who was doing her makeup? Oh, no, um, I guess not. Because normally if it's Mario, he's on camera. And so at my first thought was, it must be Mario because she's in New York. Anytime she's in New York, typically he does it. And I went to look at recently the Swarovski Skims launch just to see, and he did do her makeup for that. So it's not as though, I know there's been some speculation of them not working together anymore. I just think Mario is very, very busy. He has a very successful makeup brand now. I don't know if he's flying out to LA in the way that he once was. I think when Kim's in New York and it works, you know, he does it or if there's a major thing, he does it. But I kind of, I guess, just assumed that he was doing it for American Horror Story because it was in New York. But now I'm thinking maybe that's not the case because I feel like we would have
1: seen him on the show if it was. No, that's so interesting. And I think I would have thought that because she was in New York that he would have done it, but maybe he wasn't in New York. I mean, listen, I just think that there's absolutely zero issue there and he still very much works very closely with her and still does her makeup. I just think that he's too busy to be her round-the-clock, on-call, 100% of the time person in the way that he once was. Completely. And then I was wondering, is it possible that she had hair and makeup done before she got there and
0: we just didn't see it filmed? Because it wasn't like we were watching Chris actually do her hair. We were watching him do touch-ups. So maybe Mario wasn't coming for the touch-ups because that's an all-day shoot. And she had someone else doing that. I don't know. In the scheme of things, it obviously doesn't matter. But those are the types of things that I have peak curiosity about. Yeah, me too. One other thing that I just want to mention from this moment before we go to Chloe and Chris on the tour bus is when Kim FaceTimes North and she's talking about going to Tristan's game. And, you know, Kim says, How cool is it that you have an uncle that plays on the Lakers? And I was thinking to myself, Tristan is so lucky that North loves basketball in the way that she does because North is the most outspoken of the grandchildren, hands down. And specifically given how close she is to Penelope, and I'm sure her and Penelope talk about the Tristan situation, if Tristan didn't have the advantage, of being an NBA player, I do
1: not think he would be in North's good graces in the way that he is. It is so interesting. I had that exact same thought of like, I wonder what the conversations between North and Penelope in regards to Tristan look like. And then I wonder what the conversation between North and Kim look like when North repeats back what Penelope had told her. Like that is a very fascinating dynamic because I don't know that North knows what's going on in the way that Penelope does. Well, I definitely don't think that Kim
0: talks to North about it in the way that Courtney talks to Penelope about it, but Penelope and North talk. Right. And so I think where she's getting the information from is maybe a little bit different, but I am just very curious about that. I think it's the kind of thing where North is
1: like, P, you want to come? And she's like, I'm good on that. You you go. I could also see Courtney saying to Penelope, like, you're allowed to feel the way that you feel, but North doesn't know, or North isn't as informed as you are, so maybe don't talk to North about it. I could totally see them keeping it, you know, in the house. Yeah, really just an interesting thing to think about. But
0: I was just watching that being like, You are so goddamn lucky you play basketball because you think it's bad with Courtney, forget about it. So you guys know I'm very much in the business of just making my life more seamless across the board. There's a way that I can make things more convenient. I am certainly gonna take it. And of course, this comes into play with food delivery. I've been a fan and a user of DoorDash for a while now, but I specifically wanna talk to you about DashPass because it kind of takes things to the next level. So DashPass is the one membership you need to get the most out of DoorDash and everyday life. DashPass members get $0 delivery fees and up to 10% off eligible DoorDash orders. So that's groceries, drinks, personal care items, and more. You can put a little joy back into your schedule, sign up for DashPass today, use code CBC23 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. So DashPass makes delivery even more worth it. It helps members save more than $35 per month on average. Plus, DashPass delivers way more than just tonight's dinner. That includes special access to experiences, promotions and DashPass exclusive menu items all for only $9.99 a month. And if you sign up for DashPass now, you'll get your first month free. So put a little joy back into your schedule. Sign up for DashPass today. Use code CBC23 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass with code CBC23. Subject to change, terms apply. Sign up for more, become a DashPass member today. I was honestly hoping the drive to San Diego was longer because I could have watched so much more footage of them on this tour bus. The specific
1: combination of Chloe and Chris on a tour bus, knowing how committed to the bit they are by doing this, because there was no reason they had to go on the tour bus to get there. Like they wanted the full experience. They committed to the bit, but they were having the funniest time with it. Contrasted with Courtney, who's like, this has now become her life. Like she is, she is a tour bus wife and to see just the difference between the two of them was just, it was
0: killing me. Well, also, I mean, before even getting into the specific scenario, like removing the Blink 182 of it all, just from a dynamics perspective, the Chris-Chloe-Courtney combo is so interesting because it really spans the spectrum. Like if you're talking about Chris's relationships with her daughters in terms of comfort level, from my perspective, it's Courtney on one end and Chloe on the other, meaning Chris is the most on eggshells when it comes to Courtney and the least on eggshells when it comes to Chloe. And so then you watch the three of them together and Chris is very much the same mother to both of them, but also a very different mother to both of them. And to watch that all happening at once, when typically we see it individually or one-on-ones or all of them together, this particular three pairing is like, If you're a longtime Kardashian fan, this is fascinating to you.
1: Well, I had that thought throughout the entire episode, especially because, and it it actually comes up with Chloe and Chris in a completely different circumstance. Like when Chloe is talking about Chris in this episode, it's at the Good American opening, it's later in the episode. It really has nothing to do with Courtney. But I was just really tuned into the difference in the way that Courtney talks about Chris and the way that Chloe talks about Chris. And I think something that I was picking up on is that I think they both have a very, very special relationship with Chris. I think that Courtney has a lot less patience for the things that Chris does. And I think that Courtney is kind of in this place with Chris where, not that Chris has to do things to like prove to Courtney in a certain way, but Courtney definitely picks up on what she perceives Chris is doing really right and what she perceives as Chris is doing maybe wrong or what she perceives as Chris doing things that she's trying to correct. Like she's very tuned into all of those different behaviors of Chris. Whereas when you hear Chloe talk about Chris, it's very much like, yeah, my mom sometimes does things that like can annoy me, but also like I am endlessly in awe of her. Like it's just such an entirely different way. But by the way, that is entirely different than how it used to be also. because. Back in the day, Chloe was the meanest to Chris. I mean, there's so much here. and We can hold on having that conversation until we get to the
0: scene where they're at the house because that's just a whole separate thing. But on this tour bus, I mean, first of all, there's two main things. Number one, it's Chris being visibly upset that she didn't know ahead of time that Courtney was going to reveal her pregnancy in the way that she did, nor was she given the option of going to the show. And then second of all, just the very fact that they are on this tour bus, which like you said, was, you know, Chloe and Chris committing to the bit. They didn't need to do it in this way. However, it's rare that we see Kris Jenner in a situation where she's not completely in control. And so she's in Travis's space now. You know, this is his world. The tour bus is set to the temperature that he likes. It's the food that he likes. It's really not about her, or I should say about ensuring her comfort. And you can see Courtney is so hyper aware of that and already knows that it's going to be something, even if it's not an issue for Chris, Courtney witnessing it, it's an issue for her because she knows what Chris is thinking without even saying it.
1: Courtney is very sensitive to that idea of it being about everybody else. And that's what came up with that fight with Kim more than anything else was, yes, there was a lot of underlying stuff and a lot of childhood stuff that came up and a lot of just everything about the Dolce & Gabbana fight. But the root of that fight was Courtney being upset that she had this thing that was her thing. And then Kim came along and it became Kim's thing. It became about Kim. It was about, you know, everything's always about Kim. That is something that we see Courtney be specifically very sensitive to. And I think something this scene showed us is that, I think previously we thought that it was maybe a her and Kim thing, but I think that Courtney is more sensitive to it overall with the entire family. And Kim just kind of plays the most prevalent role in that. Well, it's Kim and then it's Chris, right? Like those, you know,
0: if you're Courtney, those are, I don't want to say your two least favorite people in the family, but the two people
1: that trigger you the most. Well, and part of Courtney being so triggered by Chris and she says this repeatedly is that there are so many qualities that Chris has that Courtney doesn't like in herself, that Courtney is working to change in herself. So when she sees Chris not only exhibiting those things that she is actively working on, but then also recognizes, like, wait, I literally got them from her. Like, I only am this way because of my mom. It additionally triggers her. And it, it really is something that she is very, very sensitive to, but she's also very sensitive to the fact that these aren't things that Chris dislikes about herself. These aren't things that Chris is working to change about herself. These are things that Chris really embraces and Chris really likes and finds a lot of power in. And I think that it's a really interesting dynamic to watch two people with a lot of very similar traits feel very differently about those traits.
0: Well, yeah, I want to say that until they're at the house, because there's so much there. And a lot of it is, as Chloe says, you know, This is how she is. Like it or not, she's in her 60s. She's not changing. And you see Courtney really struggle with that of wanting to embrace acceptance and then also wanting to challenge them to get to the root of some of these behaviors. And it's like, we can dive more into that, but it's been very interesting to watch. Very. Okay, so we now have Kim back in New York, which again, all of these American horror story scenes are amazing to watch, not so amazing to recap. The one line I need to mention is when she's in her confessional and the producer says, why'd you sign up for American Horror Story? And she says, because it's iconic and I love to do iconic shit. It's like that right there is what we always say about Kim. More than anything else, she
1: is motivated by knowing something will be perceived as iconic. Well, everything about Kim can be summed up into that line of because it's iconic and I love to do iconic shit. Like That is her entire career, her entire life in a nutshell. And I think that a very small piece of the Kim puzzle in terms of how we got to where we are with Kim being who she is, is all of this exists because of Kim's ability to recognize what's iconic. Not just that she's put herself in the position to have all these opportunities that she's worked really hard. Yes, all of that comes with it. But she just has an eye for being able to distinguish between like what's a really good opportunity and what is literally going to be the most iconic possible thing that I can do right now. That's what we are looking at with Skims by the way. Skims took shapewear. Skims took a very simple concept and went what if I made this fucking iconic and and she did. No, she did. I just
0: you can tell in these scenes like she's so excited and so proud to be there and also Experiencing such imposter syndrome, which I know on some level she says that she experiences with other things. And it's not that I don't believe her, but I think at a certain point, when you've done something repeatedly, that kind of just lessens. Whereas this, (laughs) I don't want to say the imposter syndrome was warranted, but one could argue that it was because, yes, she was given the role because of her stamp on pop culture. And, you know, he said the role was kind of crafted for her at the same time she's brand new to acting. She's not a seasoned actor. She's a reality star who's surrounded by seasoned actors. And so if she was ever going to have imposter syndrome, this was the time when it was really going to rear its head. And just watching her balance that and having so much excitement, but then also like genuine fear,
1: it's just not something we, we typically experience with her. And I understood that imposter syndrome. Like we said, this is completely unchartered territory for her. She is not an actor. And that's also the reason that she you know, continuously emphasizes the acting classes that she's taking, the four-hour acting classes, the call time, what she is doing to put work in for this role. Because for Kim, it's not just like, okay, look and see the final result. She wants everybody to know what she put into getting there because she never wants it to be open for questioning how much work she's putting into a specific situation. For Kim, I think one of the things that we've really learned about her, and actually one of the things that I would say I admire the most about Kim, is that the importance of how good the outcome is is equal to the importance of the amount of work that went into it.
0: Well, on that note, and I'm just going to skip ahead for a second because so we can kind of combine the American Horror Story scenes, and then of course we will come back to Chloe, Courtney, and Chris in San Diego. But when Jennifer Lynch, who's one of the directors, is speaking in in kind of her on site confessional, she says, "I think I tried not to have expectations. I know she's got a dog in the fight of being good," which to me was such a simple yet such a powerful line and so descriptive of Kim in that yeah, she doesn't have a dog in the fight in the way that a producer or director would. She doesn't understand exactly what they're going for in the shot, but she does have a very vested interest in making sure that the show is good and that she is good. You know, she doesn't want to do things that she isn't going to be good at or isn't going to be in the aftermath, taken seriously at. She loves being doubted. Everyone take her as unseriously as possible when they find out she's doing it. But she wants it to then come out and have the reaction, which was the reaction of like, wait, why did Kim Kardashian kind of kill it? You know? And so I just felt like Jennifer, knowing Kim a very short while and picking up on that, to me, it was just like, okay, so you get it.
1: No, I really could have watched Kim and her acting era all day. Like To watch other people get it, to watch her build her confidence with it, to see Emma Roberts getting a tag in the show. Like, When did you ever think that you would see Emma Roberts' name pop up on a Kardashians episode? No, the whole thing was just taking me
0: out. Also because I've seen so much American Horror Story content on TikTok that to then watch the behind the scenes, it was hitting so much harder for me because all of these scenes pretty much that they
1: were filming, I've seen on TikTok. I know. And that's that's the best part about TikTok because I would have never watched the show on my own. I'm just being honest. No, I know. Listen, I, I you know how we feel
0: about Kim, but it wasn't getting me to watch. And so it, it's it's kind of like you're getting the crash course. It's almost like making this watch even more valuable because you know the finished product. Absolutely. The other piece to this, and I know Kim was kind of talking to Emma Roberts about it in a joking way, but when she says, you know, I called my mom and my sisters and I said, you should be so thankful that all you have to do is roll out of bed and shoot at your house. It's like, it is kind of a unique perspective she has in that I would say most people that are new at acting don't have this type of lengthy experience in reality TV, meaning it's not new for Kim to be surrounded by cameras. It's just new for Kim to be surrounded by cameras in this type of a way. And so aside from anything else, just going from unscripted to scripted is
1: probably a bit of a switch up. Well, it kind of reminded me of Kim saying when her and Pete were dating that, Pete didn't want to be on the show, probably for a lot of reasons, but one of the main reasons was because he's used to being on camera in a very performative way. And so for him to be on camera in the setting of a reality show would be so unnatural for him compared to how he's so used to acting when he's in front of the camera. And so Kim here talking about it was kind of like the complete opposite of that. Yeah, the only reason that it was probably less of a shock than it
0: would have been for another role is because in so many ways she was playing a character that was very similar, not necessarily to herself, but to the world that she's in. In a lot of ways, it was Kris Jenner esque. You know, it wasn't so outside of her norm. I'm sure when she became the witch and whatever else happened there, it was. But in general, wearing these types of clothes, being this type of super successful, wealthy powerhouse, you know, there was a lot of her already in
1: there. Totally. There was a lot of life experience that was drawn on in in this role. I mean, like like she said, when Ryan Murphy approached her about the role, it's because the role was made specifically for her.
0: Right. And so I think that it was probably a a nice little ease into the world of acting. Totally. I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house. Like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be our mascara and lip gloss, maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy, but Honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero-tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like, I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices, also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry. Built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Okay, so we're backtracking now to when Chris, Chloe, and Courtney arrive in San Diego because we got to discuss this.
1: This is a good scene.
0: First of all, them fighting over the rooms or discussing the rooms was very Housewives, specifically Housewives of New York-esque, of like, at the end of the day, everyone wants the room they want.
1: But also, this really highlighted that Chloe, Courtney, Chris dynamic that we were talking about because- For Chloe and Chris, like, yeah, they were talking about the rooms, they were deciding who wanted what, but it was all very joking. And for Courtney, listening to them talk about the rooms or fight about the rooms or decide which rooms they want, like, that was something that in a very minor sense of the word was triggering for her. It was annoying to listen to Chris complain about the rooms, even if Chris wasn't actually complaining about the rooms. It was annoying to her to have Chris and Chloe trying to decide who was going to get what because it reminded her... Of Chris having these control issues, even if for Chloe and Chris, that was the last way they ever would have interpreted what was going on. Well, right.
0: And also the fact that this has been one area of Courtney's life, meaning touring with Travis, that has been completely separate from her family. You know, these issues are not something she has to deal with when she's typically on the road. And so I, I think for Courtney, aside from everything else, it also was such a stark contrast to, I guess, how she normally feels when she's on the road with him.
1: Right. It was exactly what Courtney was saying when she was first on the bus. And she was like, this reminds me of why I don't bring them places. Like Anytime I'm with them, I'm then reminded of like why I didn't invite them to the last thing. And those things that make Courtney feel that way are relatively so minor to the viewer, relatively so minor to Chris and Chloe, but it's exactly what was going on here again of her saying like, okay, this is why.
0: Well, right, and also there's a separate thing going on here because in addition to Courtney just being frustrated by the situation at hand and like finding what was actually going on in that moment annoying, it's also, like you said, a reminder for her of the aspects of Chris that she sees in herself and really dislikes in herself and then is additionally annoyed at Chris for feeling as though that's the reason she is this way in the first place. And so it's not just like it's an isolated behavior that she can see and be annoyed with. In addition to that annoyance comes almost like a feeling of resentment for having to work so hard to unlearn something that she feels she kind of got from Chris. And so much goes on here and we can really you know, get into it deeply. But when she confronts Chris about it and basically says like, why do you think you need to be so controlling? Chloe kind of interjects and is like, just like I'm not changing at 38, mom's not changing in her 60s. And I think something we really see Courtney struggle with is balancing wanting to accept the people in her life as they are and that being part of her work, and then also really wanting to challenge them on why they are the way they are and being frustrated at them not wanting to either examine that or change it. And you can see she's trying to do both. And I think it's really hard to entirely do both because if you're entirely committing to acceptance, it's hard to then have a secondary layer of that. In a situation like this, when the secondary layer of wanting to examine it Brings with it so much frustration and resentment.
1: I feel like Courtney saw that meme that was like, I'm in therapy because the people in my life won't go to therapy and that like hit for her in such a specific way. That's what I feel like Courtney is really really putting out in terms of her conversations with her family members and not just this scene, in her conversations with Kim, in her conversations with trying to talk to them about therapy. that is really, I think, what resonates the most for Courtney is, It's not even necessarily like, yes, there's a huge aspect of it that she can see how beneficial it would be for them, just Courtney aside. But a lot of it, I think, is Courtney's frustrations of she feels like she's made so much progress and has had so many breakthroughs and so much of the stuff that she's working through and so much of the stuff that she is so attuned to because of therapy and so much of the stuff that she wants to change and is able to change because of therapy. Are all shared experiences with the rest of the members of her family. And so I think for her, it's really difficult to be like, wow, I have all of these things from our childhood, all of these things that are traits that we that we all got from our mom. And like I'm the only one that's doing the work to, you know, change them or break the cycle or veer course. But I think also on top of that, something that is additionally going to continue to be very frustrating for Courtney, which I kind of said before is all of these traits that Courtney is working so hard on are not necessarily traits that the rest of the family want to be working on. And so that is a huge disconnect because I also think that if Chloe was coming to her and saying, you know, I notice I have all of these control issues and like, it's really affecting my life. And I really don't like the fact that I'm doing these things. Courtney would have so much more of a leg to stand on and saying like, you know, I also am that way. And I've done a lot of work in therapy to not be that way because I didn't like those things in myself. That's not what's happening here. It's that Courtney is picking up these patterns that she recognized in herself and seeing them in the rest of the members of her family. And the rest of the members of her family aren't bothered by those things or triggered by those things. And they're also not bothered or triggered necessarily by those things in each other, which I think is very isolating for Courtney.
0: Well, I have to wonder, because this was not a POV from Chris that we got in the scene. She was kind of taking the whole thing very not seriously, which I do want to get into more. But I was curious that there's a piece of her that's like, yeah, you're right. This is 100% how I am. And you're so fucking lucky it is. Because if I wasn't a level 100 control freak, we would have never gotten to where we are. Meaning it takes someone that handles things and approaches situations in the way that I do to have even seen the vision in the first place, let alone made it happen. And so I just wonder if there's a part of her that isn't upset at Courtney for acknowledging these things or, you know, invalidates Courtney being upset at them because that's Courtney's experience, but feels like in all of this, where is your gratitude for those character traits of mine that have allowed us to even enter this realm? You know, it's kind of like, on some level, you have to take with the good, with the bad. Meaning, yes, she's like this, and I'm sure in some ways it is very, very frustrating and can make things difficult. Of course, no one's undermining that, but also half of the reason that they've been able to achieve any of this is because of that. And I think that if I'm Chris, I, I maybe would receive the message a little bit better if some of that was infused into the conversation, but I say all of that with the caveat of like even if I disagree with the way Courtney goes about things, I on a base level would also be really annoyed with trying to have a real conversation like this and constantly have Chris to try to veer course at any chance you know to, to get away from the seriousness of it, which like maybe is Chris's way of handling it but I think if you're Courtney, it has a potential to feel kind of invalidating
1: this whole thing, is so fascinating. And it goes back to exactly what we were saying about how we're able to watch the old episodes and then reflect on them then, and then how they play into things now, because the veering course during a serious conversation and kind of picking anything to change the subject, specifically picking things that are like physical characteristics, which I know sounds really specific, but during the course of this conversation, when you know, they're talking and Chris is like, did you always have that dimple on your chin? Or she's like, are your eyebrows uneven? Like that was Courtney textbook 101 back in the day. Like her and Scott would be talking about something and she would go like, is that a pimple on your face? Like she would say something to Kim, like that was literally the Courtney playbook. And so to watch Chris doing the same thing now and also understand where Courtney got that from then. And then also Courtney being so annoyed by the fact that Chris is doing that in a way that Courtney always used to do is just so like full circle. It's crazy to witness. Well, right. And
0: those are actually the moments that I feel for Courtney the most in that you are exactly right. That is precisely the way that she used to handle things, which probably is a learned behavior from the way that Chris handled things and the way that they handled things in their family. And I think she has seen in real time, the benefit therapy can have in terms of being able to have more deep or emotional or uncomfortable conversations. Like generally speaking, I think that's a beautiful thing. The issue that arises here is I don't believe Courtney and Chris could ever really have these conversations without a third party there. And of course that would take Chris being willing to go, but I just think Courtney has way too much resentment for Chris and Chris has an unwillingness to give Courtney the seriousness she's desiring. And so I think for both of their sakes, for different reasons, The only way any of this is going to happen is with some sort of third-party facilitator or moderator, because that was one of my biggest takeaways from this. One of the reasons that it's never going to be successful is that Courtney's trying to play both the role of therapist and the person that feels wronged and has emotions surrounding Chris. And when you try to do both, of course, it's going to fall on deaf ears when it comes to Chris, because she knows that Courtney has a personal investment in it because she's her daughter. Of course she does. You know, like in order for them to have these conversations, it needs to be, A therapist may be asking Chris those questions with Courtney there and Courtney then being able to share her own experiences that she feels has been impacted by Chris having those traits. But I just think for both of their sakes, like it's not happening like this, you
1: know? Well, the one thing that I will say is that I don't necessarily think with Chris that it's falling on completely deaf ears because I think there are certain aspects of what Courtney is saying that gets through to her. And Courtney makes that point in her confessional where she's saying, you know, It feels in the moment like my mom isn't listening or understanding what I'm saying. And then a couple of days later, she'll send me something that's like a TikTok or a meme or a reel that says, you know, every family has the one daughter that does things differently. And like, she'll be the person that breaks all of the trauma cycles. And so it made her feel really heard and understood. But there is also, aside from that, a very interesting moment that they have where Chris fully acknowledges where this control comes from. And she says it kind of passively. It's not this big breakthrough moment, but Courtney says to her, you know, you weren't like this in your twenties. And Chris makes the point to say, yeah, because I had a husband who kind of wouldn't let me, he took care of everything. I never needed to play that role. And then when I was no longer with him, like I got to compensate for that. And again, it wasn't this big breakthrough moment where Chris realized that that's what was happening. It feels like something that she had kind of realized the whole time, But again, it goes back to that point of them interpreting these things differently, because I think that this is something that Chris is so incredibly proud of. And also to go back to your earlier point, which is a huge piece of this is, you know, what you're saying about Chris feeling like or Chris potentially feeling like, you know, it's kind of upsetting for Courtney to say these traits are negative traits when they're the thing that got us here you also have to keep in mind that courtney isn't necessarily thrilled about being in the place they are with their fame yes courtney benefits from it and she's very happy to benefit from it but she's also very happy to be vocal in the fact that like she doesn't really necessarily love it or want it or want to be on the show and that's a constant thing that we talk about with courtney which is like you don't get to have your cake and eat it too but yeah that's a huge aspect of of the crisp potential resentment thing, which is like, Courtney doesn't feel the same way about fame and where the family's gotten that the rest of the family does.
0: Okay, but my response to that will always be, while I fully believe her that she doesn't appreciate the fame element in the way that the rest of them do, she does appreciate the element of her life that allows her to do whatever the fuck she wants to do, whatever the fuck she wants to do it. And maybe at this point, she no longer has a desire to continue to, skyrocket, whether it's fame, money, or otherwise. But the only reason that she's even able to get to that point of saying, okay, it's been enough is because it's enough. It it doesn't get to be enough when it's not enough to be able to sustain a completely comfortable, lavish lifestyle. And I don't even mean lavish in the way that it's lavish for some of the rest of them. I, I believe her when she says she doesn't necessarily prioritize those things in the same way. But what she does prioritize is freedom and the ability to not have to work if she doesn't want to have to work. And whether or not she appreciates where they're at fame-wise, she would not be able to reap the benefits from just like a a ease of living perspective if Chris wasn't the way that she was. And, And by the way, like I don't say this not understanding that there's a lot of nuance there and complexity that must be really challenging in terms of being able to appreciate your mom for her business mindedness that has allowed you to now have this lifestyle, yet at the same time, the same parts of her that really excel in the business realm are also the same parts that made it probably difficult as the child. Like I get the manager mom thing and how specifically with this piece of Chris's personality that it's, I have to imagine difficult. But like, I I refuse to entirely accept that, you know, Courtney can just stand behind. She's upset that they're at this place because I don't think she likes the fame, but I think she fucking loves the rest of it.
1: No, I completely agree. Listen, there is like a lot of dynamics at play here. Like it is it is fascinating to listen to them have these conversations and kind of explore where they're all at, because I think one thing about Courtney specifically in this area is that she's not gonna hold back. And so where that leads us in terms of those conversations are oftentimes very interesting.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a huge piece of this to me, or one of my biggest takeaways from this scene, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier when you were saying. The things that Courtney is pointing out, specifically when it comes to the control, she's viewing as negatives, whereas Chris and at least Kim view as positives and things within themselves that have allowed them to accomplish the things that they've accomplished. And so on some level, there was a piece of me that felt for Courtney because here she was trying to have a deeper conversation with Chris. And here Chris was, you know, just shutting that down at every turn. And I can imagine as anyone, but specifically as the child, that being frustrating But then at the same time, it was like, of course Courtney was gonna go down a dead end because here she was challenging Chris to explore a piece of herself that in this current moment, she doesn't want to change. Whereas if Courtney leaned in from the angle of, here is something about you that negatively impacts me in this way and I wanna talk about it through that lens. Well, I'm sure she would be met with Chris doing a little bit of that guilt trip of like, I guess I'm such a terrible mother. It on some level, what what I think have a little bit more power, give her more of a leg to stand on because she again goes into what I was saying earlier about playing that therapist role for someone who isn't looking to be therapized on that aspect of themselves. Whereas if she wants to have this conversation, coming at it from the angle of here are behaviors that you possess that I've noticed in you that I have then noticed I possess and I want to talk about because they have impacted me in this way. That wasn't the way she was handling it, which I understand was probably a tactic because when you depersonalize it or you take the emotion out of it, maybe, you know, things can be looked at in a little bit more of an objective way. But when you're talking to someone who doesn't view the act as a negative thing, and you only view it as a negative thing because of the way that it's impacted you, you have to put yourself into the mix.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so interesting. And we see this like get brought up in very minor circumstances throughout this episode. Like For example, when they're backstage at the Blink-182 concert and Travis has his Dunkin' Donuts coffee, Chris says to Travis, like, oh, there's your coffee. Like, she kept pointing it out to him. And Courtney's like, oh, there she goes again. Like, that's part of the control. She can't just, like, let you have your coffee. She has to tell you exactly where it is. And so oftentimes, I think what happens, not just with Courtney and Chris in general, with a lot of people, when these issues start to arise for them with the people in their lives, is that you almost look for things that then feed into that. And sometimes they are correct and sometimes they are there and sometimes they are understandably triggering. And then sometimes it's like you have this idea of who the person is and that their behaviors exist for a specific reason and a specific purpose. And so everything they do kind of just continues to feed into that. And I think that's what we're seeing with with Courtney and Chris. And the more that, you know, Chris kind of ignores these conversations or lets Courtney's feelings go unanswered for, the more that Courtney then feels like those things are so prevalent in her life and her relationship with Chris. Well, right, exactly. I mean, the less heard that Courtney feels by Chris, the more she wants
0: to point out things that substantiate her claims about Chris's personality or character traits. And she's 100% right, for example, with the coffee cup instance, that the reason she's doing that is because she has massive control issues. And in her mind, that is her controlling the situation. But as Chloe said, She's not changing. Chris is 68 years old. That is exactly how she's gonna handle that situation 10 times over. And to my point earlier of like, Courtney will never get anywhere if she's pointing out something that Chris is not viewing as a negative. She has to reinsert herself into the conversation and have it be something they talk about with a third party if she wants to get anywhere trying to therapize Chris on a trait that she views as an overwhelmingly positive one within herself and something she derives a lot of pride from is only going to make Courtney more
1: frustrated. Well, the irony of the whole situation is that Courtney's desire to change that in Chris or bring up these things in Chris goes back to Courtney's own control issues. Yeah, yeah. This is
0: like, there's so much here. There is so much here. And I... I have so many thoughts on the whole thing that are not fully formed because we just watched this episode right before we started recording. And obviously, there's a piece of me as a huge therapy advocate and someone who's greatly benefited in my own life, of course, feels for Courtney and that she feels like uh, so isolated in this journey. At the same time, I just don't know if this is necessarily the most effective method, but I you know I can give them all grace and that they're figuring it out. Fascinating stuff. yeah, it's it's really something. Okay. So imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. I told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again, and I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bolin Brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey. But if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you It's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company, first of all, they're made with the rarest 100% Organicon and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They have over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantees, So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull & Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at branch.com. That's Branch B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes. To help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities and makeup artists and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. I know we're about to get into the gender reveal and Chris and Courtney's conversation pre-gender reveal, but did you know about this thing they were saying where each year of your anniversary, there's like traditional things you're supposed to get? Yeah, of course you didn't. I never heard of that. I never heard about like one year paper, two year. I never knew that. It's like one year, five
1: year, 10 year, yeah.
0: There's no way my dad has ever heard of that. A 100% he's heard
1: of it. It was very
0: their generation. That's something I could really get behind in terms of like, I love how Courtney had everything laid out, labeled. Like After you guys gave me that that gift of the scrapbook, I so understand putting the effort into doing something like that because the recipient is nothing but just overwhelmingly grateful.
1: By the way, you got a photo album. I could never put that much work into doing a scrapbook. That is like a whole other level. I know, we could turn this memory box into a scrapbook. I know, I did have that thought too. It feels like an Isabelle job. Yeah. Hugh, no, no. I didn't mean...
0: <laughs> when I said we, that was a very loose we.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I knew that you had no role in the we. I knew I fit in there maybe somewhere. I personally would be amazing at watching. By the way, you have to play <laughs> your dad the part in this where Courtney is saying the paper anniversary to Chris and Chris is like, yeah, I think we did that. But I just said diamonds were all of the anniversaries. Like that's, that's what your mom did. That's what you oh, your mom <laughs> was like. Paper? No. I think this one's diamond. I'm pretty sure one is diamond. And by the way, my dad was probably thrilled because he can't write to save his fucking life. True. Anyway,
0: so this conversation with Courtney and Chris, obviously the main thing here is Courtney telling her that she's having this gender reveal tomorrow. And you see Chris is a little bit taken aback and they kind of have this back and forth. And she says, you know, that is just so Courtney. And I truly believe Courtney in that it had to be this day and it was a detour from Travis's tour and that it kind of came together in this specific way. But also I think there is such a piece of her that loves pulling this shit with Chris. Absolutely loves it because it takes Chris's control issues that she has such a problem with and,
1: you know, cuts them off at the knee. But again, it gives Courtney her own control back. Courtney's way of controlling the situations that she feels Chris has control over is by doing them entirely in the way that she wants to do them, entirely in a way that Chris would never do anything. And even in this, Courtney's saying, you know, it really just came together very quickly. It was supposed to be something small and then Travis was off on tour and we kind of threw it together. And I totally, obviously believe her. And I also totally support Courtney's ability to do things exactly in the way that she wants to do them. She has every single right to, but it also would be ignoring the obvious to pretend that Courtney's own control issues don't come up in terms of combating Chris's control issues. Right. Well, the, it's
0: like the most ironic twist in the whole thing that I don't necessarily think she's acknowledging. Totally. Or is it, is Completely. It, forget about acknowledging is realizing and then able to acknowledge. No, completely. Yeah. But anyway, we see the whole gender reveal. We see a little bit of TikTok's finest, aka Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Ray, making a little cameo. We find out it's a baby boy, which of course, by this point, Rocky Barker has entered the world, but love seeing the behind the scenes of all of this.
1: I just, I loved this scene. This scene, I will say to have the, the gender reveal, not that it was so climactic or anything so crazy, but that did feel very finale-esque.
0: Yes. And while, of course, I was so happy for Chloe that the Century City Good American opened and I happen to be a big Good American fan, I wouldn't necessarily call that my definition
1: of a finale, but I'm sure Emma Greed would disagree. Absolutely. But you know what? There's never a scene between Chris and Chloe where they show their mutual appreciation of each other that I'm not going to love. So I wouldn't say it was finale, yes, but I would say it was necessary absolutely. I
0: also loved in the end confessionals when, you know, Kim says this year in a nutshell has been exhausting. I've never worked more, but it's all been worth it. And the producer asks, you're a year into being single. Are you looking forward to another year? And Kim says, absolutely. abso fucking Love to hear it. And Chris then says, this has been my year of only saying yes to the things I love. And that's what I did. And I think I'm going to stick to this plan. And the producer says, have we seen the last of you guys? And she goes, oh, fuck no. Lots more to come." to which I say, yeah, exactly. To which I say, amen, music to our ears. Yep. I will never get sick of hearing that. Yeah. I didn't even hold my breath when the producer said that. Of course, it's not the end of seeing them. Duh. It'll never be the end. God forbid. To many people's dismay and to our absolute pleasure. Ain't that the truth. Okay, well, I think that is a wrap on season four. Trust me, we are just as upset as you guys. Obviously, next week, we will go back to our vintage rewatch, which brings with it plenty of nostalgia, but I love doing these more than anything. And thanks for being on this ride with us. We love you guys. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.